Wolf Pack, what's going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Rotor Street, RotorStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed you fantasy wolves. Thrilled to welcome back now for the third time, Justin Boone. You can find him at Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score, host of their fantasy football podcast as well. Justin's been Fantasy Pro's most accurate expert of 2019, number five in 2020. I think he's now top seven for seven straight years, something of that nature. I mean, it doesn't get better than this, doesn't get more accurate than this. So I am thrilled to now pick his brain again for the third time. Justin, thank you so much for coming on today. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, I love jumping on with you. Thanks for having me again. And for the sake of accuracy, I will say I did retire from the Fantasy Pros contest last year. So my final seven years in the contest were all top seven finishes. And then I, I didn't feel like I had much else to prove at that point. So <laughs> I, I figured last season, I was like, I won't be in the contest. I'll be able to, you know, not rank the 50th tight end and all that sort of stuff. I did everything the exact same way. I just, of I'm so competitive. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I can't change. The only thing that was different was I had less stress. If something went wrong, if a player got injured early on Sunday, I wasn't beating myself up about it. You right. know, thinking my rankings were going to be wrong at that point. I was like, okay, there's nothing I could really do about it. So yeah, it, it yeah. eased the burden on me a little bit in the season, but uh, time-wise and everything like that, I, I approached it all the same, just foolish. Uh, that, I, I was going to say, I was looking for you on the 2021. I was like, where? there's no way he's like not out inside the top 200 experts. So yeah, that makes a little more sense. I was wondering where you finished last year. Retiring on top though. That's not a bad way to do it. Again, top seven for seven straight. That's, when I, when I achieve that, I'll probably go out of the competition too. I love it, man. Uh, but yeah, Justin's coming on here to talk about busts. It's not always the sexiest topic. You always want to hit the guys and get the, the right picks down, but it's also as equally important to get it right to you have to avoid. So we'll be talking about that. I know you've been hammering away at the scores draft kick all along, and that's one of the featured topics in there that we'll be touching upon. But what are some other things before we dive into the busts that people could expect if they go check out the scores? And it's free, if I'm not mistaken, draft kit. That is the, the crazy thing about it. The score continues to give it away for free. And I just try to put everything in there that I've worked on over the years, even before I was in the fantasy industry, when I started doing my own rankings and projections, all that sort of stuff. I have the rankings in there, dynasty trade value charts, strength to schedule, offensive line rankings, you know, and then the obvious stuff like depth charts and salary cap values, tiers. Like there's just so much breakouts, busts, players who are going to lead you to a title. And we're updating it every single day. And the thing is, I'm going back on all these articles too. So if something happens, like for example, we got the Deshaun Watson news today, mm -hmm. I got to go back now and jump into yeah. those breakout posts and those bus posts. I'm not going to leave them with a timestamp of early August or whatever. We're going to go back. I've already done it once and updated them. I'll do it again. And we'll continue to do it until week one because the next three weeks are when the majority of fantasy drafts are going to happen. And you have to have everything up to date. Things are changing every week. I know I was on a show the other day and they said they weren't going to publish the show until next week. And I was like, wow, everything's going to be different next week. What happens when all these injuries happen in week two of the preseason? And now everything I said sounds, sounds wrong, right? So right. everything's changing so fast. You got to keep this stuff up to date. And uh, that's really what I'm focused on right now. And it's keeping me quite busy. <laughs> of all off seasons too, this one has just been an absolute whirlwind. I thought it couldn't get crazier than the COVID off season, but between the trades and Everything just ever since the season started, it, it hasn't been a moment to breathe. And I love that because I live and breathe for football as you do too. But man, it has been a wild one. As you mentioned today, finding out that Deshaun Watson suspension will only be 11 games. We have a few Browns on this list that we'll talk about. So we'll be able to kind of hit that news as we go through the show 
as well. Uh, but Wolfpack, as we start to dive in here, you can expect us to go through two to three players per position, maybe two picks each. We'll go back and forth is why we think they might not hit expectations. And then we might give you a few other people to target in that same range as well. If you don't mind hitting that thumbs up button, like shares, retweets, wherever you're watching it are so appreciated to help the Wolfpack grow. So if you like what you're hearing, please consider hitting that thumbs up button, helping us grow. It would be greatly appreciated. But we will dive in now, as we were saying, and I think from the top, it's kind of important to at least just define like what a bust is, what it means, because you'll watch so many shows and you'll get like Kenny Galladay and Marlon Mack and these guys that like, yeah, we know they're going to suck. We're not talking now, at least that, that's what I wouldn't want to do. And I've read your article. I know that's not how you look at it either. We're not going to dive into these players that just really aren't good or not going to be in your consideration anyways. We're going to look at the top 100 picks and find players who we think just might not pay off at their price, their ADP. That's kind of how I define a bust is there's just other people in their range that I'd rather have. And the opportunity cost is kind of great to, to go in on that player. So that's kind of how I view a bust. Would you define it similarly or how do you view busts, Justin? Yeah, guys who are just going to be a letdown and we're going to be a disappointment for whatever reason. And it's normally guys for me that there isn't one red flag. There's multiple red flags mm -hmm. around them. And like anything, this is all probabilities, right? So it's just guys that you're looking at going, there's enough stuff there that gets your spidey senses going. You're a little yeah. bit worried. So you move them down the rankings or you shy away from them in your drafts. Normally for most guys, there's always a point where you will still take them. If they fall a couple rounds, all of a sudden they become a value, but there's a few guys this season where I just kind of almost have them off my draft board entirely. Yeah. Yep. Uh, a few of those for me as well. So we'll focus on some of those guys. As, as we mentioned, Justin's spider senses are quite good. Again, top seven in seven years. So we'll pay attention to which ones are alarming to him. There are a few, the majority of the list in the article, I read it vastly agree with almost everyone on there. I'm glad that you picked a couple that I, I would like to discuss a bit more because I, I have drafted a few of them across a few leagues. So I, I would be interested to see what your take is, why you have these guys as busts, what's tingling of those spidey senses for a few of these. We'll go position by position. As we mentioned here, I'll give a few. Justin will give a few. We'll kind of either support and, and add evidence to why we consider these guys busts at their cost. Uh, or if we disagree, we'll add some evidence as to why and give you a complete case. So let's start at the, the quarterback position, Justin. Who are a few guys that you have as potential busts there? Well, you talked about not wanting to go with the obvious guys, but I think I have to say one right off the bat here, and it's Matthew Stafford. And this one's kind of easy. There is more than just the injury situation, but we can focus on that first. He has this elbow issue. He had an anti-inflammatory shot, and he didn't throw all offseason until he showed up at training camp. And even when he showed up at training camp, they've kind of gone easy on him. They've limited him a lot. There's a couple of days where they've let him kind of sling it. But overall, he's had a lot of rest time. They're not treating him like he is 100% healthy right now. Now, mm -hmm. I'm not really worried about week one. He's gone out there. There's been some weeks where he looks fine or some uh, practices where he looks fine. I'm not worried about week one. What I'm worried about is that if he's starting the season with this elbow issue, that he still admits there's some pain there. He's feeling good. He's throwing. But there's still something going on in that elbow. He goes into the season. What's going to happen in week four, week eight, week 12? At some point mm -hmm. in the year, are we going to see this catch up to him and he's going to miss some time? And when you look at a quarterback like Stafford, who isn't offering anything with his legs, that puts so much emphasis on the arm, yeah. right? And we need a quarterback like that who can't give you the rushing ability to put up a big yardage total, to put up a big touchdown total. We saw Tom Brady get all the way up into the top five last year. He was able to do it. Stafford's end of the year ranks. 
he finished in the top five for fantasy, but in points per game, which is much more important. And I'm sure that's what I reference all the time. So if I ever forget to say fantasy points per game, you can assume that that's what I'm talking about. But last year he was 11th in fantasy points per game. So if he's going to be down in that low end QB one range, and now he's entering the season with this issue with his left tackle, Andrew Whitworth now retired. So some questions on the offensive line, couple new starters there. You're not really sure who's going to be the third receiver at this point. Van Jefferson, a little dinged up going into the year. If they bring back Odell Beckham, which it seems like they want to do, Sean McVay keeps saying, you know, kind of in yeah. the media that he wants to bring him back, but Beckham's not going to be ready. He had a torn ACL earlier this year, so he's not going to be ready until late the season. November at the earliest, probably not till December. He's more of a guy that can show up there and help them for the playoffs, not somebody that's going to help your fantasy team. So, like I said, there's enough red flags there around Stafford that – it bumps him out of my top 12. And that's also because there are so many good quarterbacks in that yeah. top 12. It is a pretty set group for me. And I want to come away with one of them. And it's not that difficult because normally in a 12 team league, you grab, you know, make sure you grab a guy before somebody grabs a backup and you'll be all right there. And some of the guys that I have right ahead of Stafford or, you know, Trey Lance and Dak Prescott mm -hmm. and Brady himself. Uh, some of those guys are right in that range. And then even some of the guys that I have right behind Stafford, I'm kind of trying to decide whether I want to move them above him right now. And that's Kirk Cousins with the new coaching staff in Minnesota and some great weapons there. They're probably going to throw more this season. And Derek Carr, who's getting Devontae Adams, getting a true elite receiver and a new coaching staff with Josh McDaniels. So those guys are kind of exciting, whereas Stafford, I think there's enough that it scares me away. The other guy, and this one's a little higher up the list, is Kyler Murray. And this is just more about when I'm talking about all these great quarterbacks, if you go right up to the top of the list, the high level producers, and you talk about Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, and even I'm going to put Jalen Hurts in that range because he was a top six or seven guy last year. Now they go out and get him, AJ Brown, to add to that offense. Got to be excited about him putting up better stats this year with them and with Murray you're kind of trying to find something to define them. What's going to actually help you order them. And the red flags around Murray are enough for me that I'm bumping him down kind of to the bottom of that range. And that's DeAndre Hopkins not being around for the first six games. He's going to be suspended. You also have, you know, Marquise Brown. Can he really step up into that number one role? He's had some durability concerns in the past. And I don't want to go too deep into the off-field stuff with Murray and the questions about his commitment yeah. to football. I'm not overreacting to any of that stuff, but we can look at his stats the last few years and say in the second half of the season, it seems like he gets banged up. And it seems like in the second half of the year, we know his numbers dip, whether that's because the injuries, whether that's because his love of video games and the release of Call of Duty and all that nonsense, whatever it is, like I said, the issues start to line up, the red flags start to line up. And we're talking about those really high end producers. I'd rather have those other guys that I mentioned above Murray this year. Yeah, a lot of great points on all these guys. I've seen Stafford really starting to fall. And as you mentioned at the top, there's certain guys that if they fall to a range, you might be comfortable taking him. And he has been falling to that kind of Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr tier in the best ball drafts. I haven't done any home league yet, so it'll be interesting to see how that all compares ADP-wise. It seems like it's vastly different. I would say the one thing with Stafford, he has played every game in 10 of the last 11 seasons. I know he didn't enter the season with any of those elbow concerns. It is weird. I don't love it. It's certainly a red flag that can't be ignored. My one ceiling kind of take for him that I don't hear a lot of people mentioning is this is the second year in Sean McVay's system. I mean, he went pretty ballistic for just having the one season together there. Top five, you know, 
in pretty much every meaningful category, third in pass yard, second in pass TDs, fifth in fantasy points. I know points per game more important, but still pretty solid first year debut. And we saw guys like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady in their second year of a new system really take their game to a new level. We've already seen Stafford even say there's that comfort level, the new fact that we can go beyond what we did last year, trying out new stuff as well, new tempos, new plays, all that kind of stuff. So if they do end up like taking this to the next level, and it does somehow last the whole season. There is a ceiling there that I don't think a lot of people are acknowledging. So I do now that he's falling like a round below those Brady's, those Prescotts. I'm starting to just pepper him there, even if he's my number two, and I get one of those guys first just to see what happens in best ball. Because I do think there's a ceiling case a lot of people aren't mentioning. All the stuff you mentioned with Murray, very very valid. Uh, the one other, you know, I, I'm only kind of playing. I, I agree with you on both these guys. I'm just kind of playing the devil's advocate here. <laughs> That's all right. Um, That's what we're here for. Exactly right. There is that second half slump that we keep seeing and keep worrying about. My one upside case would be like, that's when Hopkins will be returning. If Marquise Brown, there's a lot of stars that are going to have to align here, but if D hop returns, Marquise is healthy. Ron Dale's hitting his ceiling. This is going to be a stacked offense where they can finally have those like four wides air raid style that, that we know Cliff Kingsbury has been trying to implement for so long here. So maybe you get that, that blow up, you know, the 35, yeah, 35 points in the first two games back to back to start last year. It'd be so much more helpful to have that in the second half of the season where the games matter more. So maybe just maybe if all those stars align, if you're asking for a lot and that's the red flags, as you mentioned, but if it does align at the right time of the year for once, that would be pretty damn nice to see. I think for me, that might make him a guy that you want to target as a buy low after the first few weeks of the season or something like that, right? Try to get him and and people will be on that. We'll be talking about it. It's not going to be a, a big surprise for anyone, but if he comes out of the gate and he's struggling a little bit without D hop there, maybe you try to go get him at that point, but to go pick him up for the early part of the year, when you know, there's going to be six games without Hopkins and you're going to hope that you're just going to try to be able to get through. Maybe you grab two quarterbacks, like you said, and you got somebody else you can rely on early in the year in case Murray doesn't be doesn't come through for you. But those are just two guys that, for me, in the range they normally go in, I have them ranked uh, quite a bit lower. Absolutely. It makes total sense. The one guy I'll add to the list, and I, I've said this once on the podcast, and I got some pretty good heat for this one, uh, okay. is Lamar Jackson. And everybody loves him, and I can see 100% why. Obviously, that 2019 was insane. Thankfully, my, my pod co-host that you typically have with me, he had an interesting comp. He, he said, you know, you saw that one year with Cam Newton where he was the cheat code and everything was crazy and everything aligned and he went perfect. I think Lamar is a better talent, certainly just better arm, all that stuff. But we kind of were chasing Cam Newton for a few years for a while. And he, he asked, you know, are we doing the same thing with Lamar Jackson? I thought it was an interesting question to ask because we haven't seen that type of Lamar, you know, QB9 and QB10 in fantasy points per game the last two seasons. Rushing stats have gone down for three straight years. Now he loses Marquise Brown, one of the most explosive weapons he had last year. You know, Greg Roman, he's already talked about how much he wants to hammer the run. They seem to be building the offense back to that 2019, which would have been a good thing because that's when Lamar had his absolute blow. So <laughs> maybe that ends up being a positive that they go back to those run heavy ways. But between the weapons hit, the, this kind of lackluster last couple of years, I get that he's you know the best his arms ever looked, the best shape he's in. So he certainly could make me look like a complete idiot. But going in round four range, around kind of Justin Herbert. You mentioned some of those other guys. I'd rather wait like a, a round or two and get Jalen Hurts, who I think has very similar, the Konami upside, and now with the weapons upgrade with A.J. Brown. To me, I think their ceilings are very, very similar, and I can get you know Jalen Hurts a couple rounds later and maybe take a, an Allen Robinson or, 
one of those receivers I really like going in that round four range. Um, the opportunity cost just seems a bit more at the other positions in round four than round six. Am I nuts to be fading Lamar Jackson? I'm not fading Lamar, but it all comes down to, to cost and ADP, right? And and if you want to talk more about like draft strategy, I think what you're saying is really sound that you're going to try to go for a Jalen Hurts thinking that he has a similar ceiling and could put up similar points and you're getting him at a better cost. I'm not taking any quarterback in the fourth round unless they're named Josh Allen. And Josh Allen rarely makes it to the fourth round. But if you look at my rankings, I'm probably lower ADP-wise with my rankings on all quarterbacks for the yeah. most part, because I just, I'm not going to spend up and get one of those guys in a range when I can still get, you know, a top 12 receiver in the third round where Josh mm-hmm. Allen tends to go. Josh Allen sometimes sneaks into like the end of the second round, which I've is just that. insane. Yeah. But even in the third round, I would much rather grab, there's some running backs there that could give you top five upside. There's some receivers that are top 10, top 12 guys. I don't want to take a quarterback at that point. I will wait. And I will try to find the next Josh Allen, the next Patrick Mahomes, the next Lamar Jackson, the next Jalen Hurts. Last year, it was Jalen Hurts, who yeah. was the guy that kind of broke out that you got a bit later. And I think this year it's it's Trey Lance. There's a few guys in that range, Russell Wilson. There's a few guys that you can get a little bit later that I think still have that same kind of ceiling that some of the guys at the top have. So I'm with you in the sense that ADP wise, I don't want to pay that price. I still think Lamar is going to have a, a pretty good season. I think Rashad Bateman is going to be a guy that can mm-hmm. step in and be that number one receiver in the offense, even though right off the bat, he's probably still going to be the number two technically because Mark Andrews, the tight end is really the number one receiver there, but it's going to give him a, another option and sort of that true wide receiver one who can step up and maybe even dominate games. Whereas someone like Marquise Hollywood Brown was more of a field stretcher, more of that speed guy wasn't the guy that was going to necessarily take over and give you, you know, 10, 12 catches and dominate a game that way. Yeah, absolutely. All makes sense. And I, I think you mentioned that sweet spot where I'm targeting my QBs. I mentioned Jalen Hurts. I do like him there, but even still, you mentioned Russell Wilson, De- like those guys in that round eight to 10 range is really where I find myself most often taking my quarterback. When well, you mentioned Kirk Cousins, I think he could throw for 5,000 yards and he goes in round you know, 12. So yeah, I'm still with you. Typically just quote unquote bust in terms of not paying off the price uh, when you have some of those guys based on the values. That's kind of the sweet spot. I agree with you hundred percent is waiting to that range. We'll move on to running backs, which is one of the positions with the highest bust rate. It's often due to injuries, uh, but getting it right is also very important. So who are you avoiding at the position that you see some red flags with? Cam Akers, not to just beat up on the Rams here all day, but (laughs) Cam Akers coming off the Achilles tear. I know everyone wants to have an opinion on this. He rushes back last season. He had sort of this new surgery. Apparently I have I've had uh, Edwin Porras of Fantasy Points on my show, a pretty good injury analyst. And he talked a lot about this. And I don't want to just echo everything Edwin said. People should go back and and listen to that episode of my show. But one of the things he talked about was that it's not about the fact that you come back from the Achilles. It's what version of you comes back from the Achilles Mm. when it sort of reshapes and heals. And is it 100%? Is it 70%? What is it? Obviously, Akers was not 100%, nor should we have expected him to be rushing back and playing in the playoffs. That was actually really awesome that he was able to do that. So props to him. He's had the offseason, but still, at the moment, we're just over a year after the surgery. Like Normally, with these Achilles tears, it takes a couple of seasons before we see these running backs get back to anything close to the kind of production that they had before. And I keep trying to remind everyone that Cam Akers got a cool name. He's on a, an awesome team and a great offense. And yet 
he was not an established star in fantasy before this injury happened. He was a guy that had a really good end to his rookie season and who we were projecting to be one of those next stars to step up. And then this injury happened. So it's not like we can just assume that boom, he's going to come back and he's going to be that same player. And you have a few things. Now he's dealing with a soft tissue injury. Sean McVay says it's nothing serious that he should be okay for week one, but he's missing practice time. Now his running mate, Daryl Henderson also dealing with a soft tissue injury and missing some practice time, but Sean Bay referring to both of them as it feels like they have two lead backs. Could that yeah. be setting up a situation where if Akers isn't 100% of what he used to be, we're going to see some sort of split? And that would be rare for the Rams, but it is definitely possible. We saw Henderson last season when he stepped into that lead back role was pretty solid. In the first 12 yeah. weeks, he was putting up RB2 fantasy stats, right? It was pretty decent in that role. You also have them draft Kyron Williams, the rookie, a pretty good guy who could contribute as a pass catcher there and a pass protector. Maybe he factors in a little bit in the backfield. So a lot of things there that have me concerned than Cam Akers this year. Cam Akers next season, maybe that'll be a different story. Then it'll be two years removed from the injury. Maybe we'll feel a little bit better about him. But to think that he's going to come out and I think right now he's going as like the RB19 in the fourth round, that's mm. still a little rich for me. I think that's quite a bit of risk. I think people are looking at the name and thinking about what he did at the end of that rookie season yeah. and hoping that he can get back to that. I just don't think he's going to be able to do it this year. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I absolutely see all the red flags. Um, it, it's especially the committee. That was the one thing that kind of took me off guard. You know, you know the Achilles, and we've seen it. You wonder is the Achilles the new ACL? Where it's like we used to be ACL was devastating for multiple seasons, and now we're seeing people come back. You know, James Robinson's now making this crazy recovery. But I do kind of want. I, I think it's safer to play the. I'll believe that when I see it. And maybe in a few years, that is the case. He did face three of the toughest rundies in the playoffs. I know it was brutal. I love the fact that he saw 19.25 opportunities per game, but as you mentioned, only averaged 2.6 yards a pop. He did not look anything explosive at all. Uh, like whether, that it's Akers, whether it's Akers or James Robinson, I just think it's important for people to remember that just because these guys are back out in the field, just because they're getting snaps and individual drills and even in you know seven and seven or in practice or even in the preseason, if it happens for James Robinson at some point here, he might not be a hundred percent version of what he was before, right? If he comes out and gives you 80% of what he was, it, that might be fantastic in terms of his recovery and how fast he got back out there, but to expect that they're going to come back and be what they were before these injuries this fast. Right. I think that's still foolish. I'm crossing my fingers. I hope it happens, yeah. but I'm not really betting on that being the most likely outcome. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when he's going in the same price range as Zeke. And I know Zeke has his own warts and everything too, but a guy that's been in RB six with a partially torn PCL last year and has seen <laughs> 300 touches at every season of his career outside when he was suspended six games, I'll bet on that ahead of Akers. I'm with you there. Uh, you can even look at Saquon the way like, yeah, he was back last year, but it didn't even look like Saquon. And sure, he had all the other Joe Judge offense, a lot of other things, but it didn't really look like him. Now you see some of the clips of him two years removed, and, and it looks like Saquon is now back. And, and maybe it does take a couple of years. You saw him dealing with a lot of compensatory injuries too. It might not be the Achilles that's necessarily hurting him, but as you mentioned, the soft tissue already for Akers. You know, the, it does affect the other muscles around it when you're overcompensating at times, too. So I 100 percent get it. He was a guy I was hoping to target. But just the, the more you research the Achilles stuff, too many red flags for me. I'm with you as well. Um, you mentioned in your bust article as well, another running back coming off an injury. So a kind of trend there in J.K. Dobbins. Is he a guy that you're worried about, too? 
Yeah, I think there's a few things with Dobbins. One, he came back to practice recently and then immediately missed some time again. So that's a little concerning. Like it tells you he might yeah. not be all the way back yet. They're still going to need to ease him along here. So we're not sure about his availability for week one. Will he be out there or not? Gus Edwards is apparently, who's also come back from the ACL tear. He's going to be back even later. So he probably won't be out there in week one. They went out in the offseason. They drafted Tyler Beatty. They picked up uh, Mike Davis, the, the veteran. We don't know how much he has left in the tank, but they picked up a few guys who could compete for touches early in the season. And even before any of these injuries, Dobbins was used in a committee. It was him and Edwards. It wasn't like Dobbins was just set loose and getting 20, 25 touches a game. So I can't imagine that coming off the ACL tear, they're going to throw him back out there and all of a sudden give him this workhorse role. They're going to use some of these other guys in that offense. The Ravens every single year tell us they want to pass more to running backs and every single year they're lying to us or it never happens for whatever reason. So I don't believe that there's going to be a really high pass catching ceiling or receiving workload there for Dobbins either. So then you look at how can he produce for fantasy? What it really comes down to is he needs a big touchdown total. We saw a few years back, Mark Ingram did that for the Ravens, had a big touchdown total, finished as a, a top 10, top 12 back that season. So maybe Dobbins can get it done that way if he ends up being healthy early in the year and, and comes through. But once again, enough red flags for me that that kind of makes me shy away from him, that he's going to be back coming off this injury, coming back to a committee likely, and coming back to a situation where he's probably not going to get a ton of passing down work. So all those things together make him a guy that at best can just sneak into that low-end RB2 range at this point. And you get to a pretty a quick cliff with running backs where all of a sudden the drop-off happens and there's a bunch of guys that have issues and that you could be concerned about. So you have to kind of pick through the bunch. But I'm not expecting Dobbins to give you anything close to top 20 numbers this year. Yeah, I think you referenced exactly what I was hoping to, to get to is that kind of Last year, the dead zone seemed to happen pretty early, around four or five. To me, there's still a couple guys that have some intrigue, but when that cliff hits, it's pretty ugly that I don't even want to have to pick through it and figure it out. The only guy really going after round six that I have any interest in until the, the later rounds, the round nine, 10, where it becomes you know Chase Edmonds, some really intriguing pass-catching candidates, the James Cooks in Buffalo or even Singletary. You know, your Bill's over there. Uh, it could be an intriguing <laughs> backfield. But yeah, there's this like six to eight range that I just don't want any of these guys. One of them being Josh Jacobs, uh, you know, the committee situation with McDaniels. A lot of these guys fall in that idea of I like the talent, I hate the situation type of busts. And and Jacobs is certainly one of them. They're already saying Zamir White is the the successor in waiting. They didn't pick up Josh Jacobs' contract. You wonder if that flip happens as early as this year. You know Abdullah or Drake or somebody's going to eat the receiving work there too. So as good as this offense is going to be, you'd love to see somebody have that quote unquote, you know, Harris or, you know, back to even LeGarrette Blunt role where they're scoring a ton of touchdowns. If that ends up being Jacobs, he'll pay off his price and pay it off well. But I am worried Zamir White, a pretty strong banger in there might end up eating into that workload too. So I'm really worried about Jacobs, like Miles Sanders in that range. No, thank you. It seems like Kenny Gainwell gets the more valuable touches and goes 50 picks later. So I'll go to him if I want a piece of that backfield. And I, you know, good line, good offense. I do want a piece of it, but give me the far cheaper one, getting the more valuable touches. You can't really do a running back bus show and not mention Gibson. But at this point, it's almost just like, piling on I think even before the preseason week one fumble he would have been on my list he probably was on your list in terms of it's a three-headed nightmare a gross looking offense and he's probably losing goal line work and receptions the two most valuable areas 
but now he's he fumbles. He's practicing with the punt team and a gunner, and you know, I he's somebody that in in a, in you know the underdog drafts you're seeing just plummet, and I don't really even still want him at after pick 100 where he's going at this range. You imagine in a home draft maybe somebody who hasn't seen the news or somewhat might click on him. So I just got to throw his name out there, and I did want to ask you know in your follow up for him. Are you high on Brian Robinson? Because I'm really intrigued by this kid as a late rounder. Well, I think you touched on it. One of the things that we're concerned about there is that J.D. McKissick's going to take that passing down work. So that's going to kind of limit everybody's ceiling, whether it's Gibson, whether it's Robinson, probably going to be some combination of both. And that's what we've seen for a while. I've talked about Gibson so much on my show, though. It, just going yeah. back to, they told us exactly what they were thinking really early in the offseason. They brought back McKissick. They brought in all these running back prospects for top 30 visits. That was the immediate red flag there going, okay, wait a minute. Are they not really sold on Gibson as much as maybe the fantasy community has been? And I'll take the L there. He was somebody who I thought had the talent to really step yeah. up and be a, a quality fantasy back, one of the potentially the elite producers if they gave him the volume. They just never have. And there's been other reasons for it, obviously. Some durability concerns. He gets banged up. He plays through a lot of it, but he gets banged up quite a bit. And then also, like you mentioned, the fumbling. Six fumbles last year. He lost four of them. That was the most amongst any running back last season. And now he continues to do it this year in practice. He continues yeah. to do it in the preseason. It's very worrisome. Brian Robinson at cost? Absolutely. I'll take a shot on him as a late-round guy. Somebody that we're going to watch his ADP skyrocket, though. It already yeah. is. So we'll see how high that gets up to. I don't have them that far apart in my rankings now. My top 200, I think Gibson's around like 85 to 90 range. And I have Robinson right around the 100 range. So I'm all in on Robinson in terms of getting him as that cheap guy who could potentially overtake Gibson. And that's what I want. If they're going to be in some sort of committee, no thank you. But if he can overtake him this year, great. And before that, he could potentially give you some flex value as a goal line option, as a short yardage guy, or just somebody who's coming in to you know, give Gibson a breather. And that's kind of what they've said from the get-go. Ron Rivera, after they mm -hmm. drafted Robinson, said that it was going to be this one-two punch and liken them to Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams. Yeah. And so you figure Robinson's going to be involved and, and there's a chance that he could end up taking over that lead back job this year. So I definitely agree that Gibson's somebody you don't want on your team unless you get him so, so cheap. And yeah. Robinson's a, an easy guy to pick up in the late rounds. And, and I agree with the other guys that you mentioned too. I mean, Miles Sanders, on top of the fact that he's having all these pass catching issues, dropping balls like crazy, he's already banged up. He's missed a bunch of time recently. So that's giving Kenny Gainwell even more opportunity with that first string offense. So got to like that. Gainwell, surprisingly productive on limited snaps last year, had really? six games where he had more than 40 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. And he wasn't really playing that much. Mm -hmm. They liked using him around the goal line in some packages, had 33 catches too. And once again, didn't play that much that season, wasn't really being featured. So somebody that has the kind of talent that could step up in that offense that we expect to be much better this year. And Josh Jacobs, I have been touting Josh Jacobs for the last couple seasons. Everyone was down on him. I don't know why. Continued to put up good numbers, top 10, yeah, top did. 15 fantasy numbers. If you loaded up in the rest of your team, Josh Jacobs was a fine RB2 to have on your squad this year. Not so much. No, thank yeah. you. I'm not interested whatsoever. The talk of Amir Abdullah being involved in the passing game, not just Samir White, like that there could be other guys involved in that backfield. Don't want to get involved in that headache. We've done it for so many years with the Patriots. I do not want to do it with Josh McDaniels in Vegas now. So no, thank you on uh, Josh Jacobs at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, as you meant, that when that cliff hits, it is ugly. So I've, I've preached getting a couple running backs in those first few rounds while you still have 
the bell cows and even James Conner in round three. After that, it does seem it dropped off pretty dramatically. There's one guy going, it felt a little too easy to go those guys though. So I do want to toss out one last one and then hear your thoughts. And that's Nick Chubb, one of the best running backs, pure runners, I, I think is in the league at right now, maybe the best, but where he goes late round two around the Kamaras, even Javante Williams, I'm just not interested right now. And especially now that we know Watson's going to be missing, you know, two thirds, even three quarters of the season with 11 total games. I, I don't like it at all. And, and some people might look at that as a positive for Chubb. Maybe they're hammering the run a bit more, but I've, you know, one damning stat that I talked about with Scott Barrett when he came on my pod is Chubb averages over three and a half more points per game in wins than losses. And Jacoby Brissett hellhole, we've seen it before in the Colts offense. It just is slow. It's gross. Yes, they have a good line. Yes, Chubb is talented enough to have a couple big weeks, but when he's not getting passing work at all, and certainly when they're down, the game flow issues. I mean, Kareem Hunt, when they were both healthy in weeks one through five last year, actually outscored Nick Chubb, 18 points to Chubb, 16. And I mean, yeah, 16 points per game is still pretty good, but you can get Kareem Hunt around 9, 10 if you really want a piece of this backfield. Hunt outscored him six of eight games together. Even the last year, it's just a more valuable role that goes significantly cheaper, as good as Hunt, uh, you know, Chubb is, as good as they both are. They're both really, really good. I just don't like him at that cost. I have him, you know, a solid 15 point uh, picks below his ADP right now, despite loving the player. What are your thoughts quickly on Chubb? I think whether it's there's been talk that Kareem Hunt could be traded or released, you know, maybe it's uh, Dearness yeah. Johnson who ends up getting released or traded. Either way, there's going to be somebody else involved in that backfield as well. Yeah. So maybe with Jacoby Brissett at the helm, if all the volume was going to Chubb, maybe then you still like him for fantasy. But I think in that scenario, he is still going to be working with somebody else. So that bumps him down outside of my top 12. I actually have met RB 15 at the moment. I've moved a couple guys like Javante Williams, even above him on the more recent news that Javante Melvin Gordon, finally admitting that Javante <laughs> probably is going to be the guy there. And that's what the Love team it. wants. And there's also some other concerns, not just the quarterback situation and what that offense could do, but they've lost a couple centers. They, they lost JC Treader, their center last mm -hmm. year, their veteran guy. They lost Nick Harris to injury. He's gone. They lost, I don't even know the guy's name, but another depth guy. Um, right now you have a really a big void potentially at center on a line that was really good. You also have Conklin, Jack Conklin on the right side that he should be ready for week one, but a guy that consistently yeah. keeps getting hurt, not out there for full season. So you got to have some worry there as well. So just some cracks in what was, you know, a great offensive line. And that offensive line has really been what's helping power the run game as well, not just Nick Chubb. So if that offensive line isn't, you know, the top, two or three unit, which it has been in the last couple seasons, that could be concerning as well. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, the line is probably the biggest boost for him. So if that's not in, in that's actually, he didn't even have that as part of my case against him. So just further evidence, I'm avoiding him certainly at that end of round two, he'd have to fall pretty deep in around three for me to consider. And even there, I'd, I'd rather have a, a, you know, James Connor. We'll move on now to wide receiver bus candidates. And this is a position that you've typically nailed down uh, always at the top of the wide receiver. You're always at the top of pretty much all the rankings, but I feel like historically your accuracy has been that much higher even on this wide receiver position. So make sure, folks, you're paying attention to this one. And if you're enjoying the show, please, again, consider that thumbs up button helping us to continue to get out to more people, shares, likes, retweets, all that good stuff helps us go again here with Justin Boone of The Score, one of the best apps with a free draft kit. We're talking busts and we're on receivers here. So we'll start, I guess, moving to another Brown in Amari Cooper. <laughs> 
And it seems pretty there's just, obvious why, but the there's a couple teams that clearly I'm I'm out to get today, the Rams and, and the Browns. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with Cooper, we can start with the obvious and the Deshaun Watson thing, especially with that news coming down today, that it is going to be 11 games now and a big, big chunk of the season for him to not have a great quarterback. So we're going to have a serious downgrade going from playing with Dak Prescott last year to now playing with Jacoby Brissett for 11 games. Uh, Cooper, a guy who's been pretty volatile for fantasy for a while now. He has outstanding weeks, but he has some weeks where he just absolutely disappears. And that was in a better passing attack. Now he's going to the Browns where since Kevin Stefanski took over, they've been 28th in pass attempts the last two seasons. They haven't had a receiver Mm. average more than 56 uh, receiving yards per game in a year since getting there, since uh, Stefanski got there. And you have Cooper in this offense now where yeah, he's going to be the number one guy, but is the number one guy in the Browns offense as good as being the number one guy in the Cowboys offense? I don't think so. And that's not even counting the quarterback downgrade that he's going to have for most of the season right now. So when you put that on top of all the lower body injuries he's dealt with the last few years and had an ankle issue pop up, missed some time in camp as well. There's a lot of reasons why I have Amari Cooper way down in my rankings. He's a guy that I definitely don't want. I really don't want to invest in anyone in this Browns offense. So we don't need to get into the ethics or our personal thoughts on it. People want our fantasy opinions on this. I get it, but I don't want at the end of the season when Watson's going to be back, which we know he'll be back down the stretch for the fantasy playoffs. I don't want to be rooting for Deshaun Watson down the stretch in my fantasy leagues. I just won't enjoy that. I know you want to win. I want to win too. I also want to have fun. I also want to like watching football and watching Browns games this year is not going to be enjoyable. So I don't really want to be involved in this offense if I can stay away from it. And I passed on Watson every opportunity. I was in the the draft sharks invitational uh, league recently. They got a bunch of different drafts going and I needed a QB two. And I think Mariota was my QB two. And I had an opportunity to take Watson and I knew he would have been the right pick. I knew he was the guy that could help my team. And I passed on him and I ended up with Trubisky and, you know, some just awful mix of, of quarterbacks to help me kind of piece together a quarterback too. But I would rather do it that way than have Watson on my team this year. So that's my yeah. rant for the side, but uh, yeah, with Cooper, I have him down at, at wide receiver 35. So that's behind guys like Thielen and Ayuk and Elijah Moore and Hollywood Brown and Amonra St. Brown. And there's a bunch of guys in that range that I would just much rather have a lot of young guys that have, uh, upside out of those names other than Thielen, but a lot of a lot of young guys that could really break out this year and have huge seasons. But I want those guys over Amari Cooper and his lower body issues and his quarterback situation and a Browns offense that, you know, how many scoring opportunities will there be as well? That's not going to save them either. Yeah. Even Thielen has some juice in this new offense They're moving him all over the place. He's looking like his Thielen. old self from 2016, 18. I love him. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of down at the beginning of the off season. I was like, there's no chance I'm going to really invest in Adam Thielen. Though he's been that guy. It's been a great value for many years. The more I looked at it, it's like over the last five seasons, four of those five years, he's when he's been on the field, he's averaged top 12 fantasy stats yeah. in those games like that. It's incredible. The kind of numbers that he puts up in the last two years tied for third, in receiving touchdowns in the league. He's a guy that, and they're talking, I don't know why the Viking staff told people that they're going to try to feature him more around the red zone. I don't know if that's possible to do, but (laughs) it's great that they're talking about increasing the volume in that passing attack. And yeah, Thielen, as long as he stays healthy and a guy who, even if you only get eight games out of him, I'll take eight top 12, top 15 games, and then I'll piece it together after that. I would love to get that for the range he's going in. Absolutely. Yeah. And just to add on, I, I, as I'm trying to play devil's advocate, I really don't have a case here for 
uh, for Cooper. I'm like 30 below ECR. I might bump him down even further now that we have the, the firm locked in 11 games. And as you mentioned, the, the rooting – who knows if Watson's even going to be that great when he comes back? Yeah, he led the league in passing his last season out there, but it's been, what, like 24 games or something at this point? I mean, he didn't look great in that preseason debut at all. So it's stirring the fact that, yeah, you don't want to root for the guy at all. Uh, I- I'm 100% with you. Don't want really any Browns, including Cooper. Brissett's wide receiver ones in the meantime, 11.1 point per game, 12.5 point per game, 11.1 wide receiver, 39, 35, 45. Uh, paces there. So not sexy at all. So I'm with you hundred percent avoiding Cooper. All those names you cited are significantly better. Uh, a name that's tougher for me to cross out is Terry McLaurin, because again, I love the player. I just don't know if I love this situation right now. He's been the wide receiver, 30 wide receiver, 20 and 32 and fancy points per game across his career, but he's going inside the top 20 right now ahead of guys like Allen Robinson even Amon Ross St. Brown, who I just, I love his breakout upside. Sure, uh, it's, you can't say QB play has been a non-factor. Of course, that's been a huge issue. But is Wentz really that much of an upgrade? He did have some good deep passing stats. I'll give him that. But he was also 28th and true completion percentage there. So I, I don't know. And I really like this Jahan Dotson kid. I think he's going to be a stud. I wouldn't be shocked to see them see very similar target shares and so as you can kind of see with with a lot of these quote-unquote busts it's not that I don't really like Terry similar to you know Miles Sanders I think he's a fine player but I can get Gainwell 50 picks later I can get Jahan Dotson you know 80 picks later right now than Terry McLaurin and I don't think their numbers are going to warrant that type of gap uh so going again in the range of some of those guys I think could really blow up even Gabe Davis I don't know where you stand on him as a a Bills man so I'd love to just, just toss him out there because I'm all in. I love Gabe. Uh, but yeah, those I, I go all those guys. I just think they have a more exciting upside ceiling case uh, than what okay, I Okay, good. Sorry, I thought you were saying Gabe Davis was on your bus list. Oh, that's oh, what I was no worried way. about. I okay, you mean you take Gabe over McLaurin. Okay, I love to hear that. Yeah, yeah. What's your thoughts, I like what the, thoughts on McLaurin? And, and give me a little Gabe Davis juice here. <laughs> well, I like, well, we don't even have to talk about Gabe Davis. I mean, I, it's not even that he might have the, the biggest yardage total. He might not even crack a thousand yards, but the touchdown total is going to be right up there. So yes. I'm not worried about him whatsoever. And anybody that's worried that he couldn't beat out Emmanuel Sanders, Emmanuel Sanders was still putting up okay numbers before injuries yeah. took him down as the year went along last year. So it made a lot of sense that that team stuck with Sanders for as long as they did and then turned it over to Davis. And once he got in there, he was putting up really good numbers. So we're not going to waste too much. We're here to talk about the busts. Yeah. <laughs> um, with McLaurin, I'm glad you brought him up because I wrote, I've been writing my draft strategy series article. I just put up the last one today. And in that one that, that I wrote yesterday, I was going to pick McLaurin in the one round. I give kind of a uh, draft a team along the way. And then I also give other options that I'd be taking in that round that you could consider. And McLaurin was the guy I was going to pick in, I believe the fourth round or so. And I couldn't do it. I, the more I looked at it, the more I was like, I can't make an argument. I mm-hmm. actually don't feel that good about McLaurin. It's just one of those names that you see and you go, yeah, McLaurin would be a great pick there. And then the more I researched it, I was like, no, I, I am concerned that yes, Carson Wentz, bit of an upgrade. Still has a lot of issues, but the bigger thing is the target competition that now they could potentially have a guy there in Jahan Dotson that could be a strong number two, that Curtis Samuel this year could be healthy. And I don't think he's going to be a great fantasy option, but could be a guy that takes on more work. Logan Thomas maybe will come back at some point this season. I don't think he'll be ready for week one, but eventually could come back. And we know he's seen a lot of volume in the past when he's been healthy. So factor in McKissick, like we talked about, there could be a lot of mouths to feed in this offense this season. And that could hurt 
Terry a little bit. And that's why I took a guy, I took Cortland Sutton over him thinking that the ceiling is higher for somebody like Sutton that if everything comes together with Russell Wilson and all the reports that he's been the go-to guy for Russ, that that could have a, a much better outcome for fantasy than what McLaurin could potentially produce in that Washington offense. So I'm with you there. I think McLaurin is somebody that once again, we like, but that at cost, I think you could probably do better in that round. I think Sutton's a great name. I didn't even know they were going in the same range. I have Sutton, you know, in my top 30 overall players. I love Sutton this year. If they're going in the same range, I mean, that's a no brainer to me. A hundred percent. One guy that I, I really struggle with as well, just because he's maybe the biggest freak in the NFL is DK Metcalf. Uh, but that offense is just another one that I kind of cross off and maybe I'll regret it when there's talent like DK and Tyler Lockett, they just, maybe they are QB proof, but I don't know. It is going to be hideous. I mean, they were in the fewest plays last year, even with Russ Wilson there for the majority of the season. And when he was out 49, 50 and 59 plays 51% run to pass ratio. And that's kind of what I'm expecting. Just a run heavy gross. Are they even ever getting first downs and sustaining drives type of offense with Geno Smith or Drew Locke, maybe one of them breaks out and resurrects their career, but I'm certainly not banking on that, especially not when, again, some of those names, Allen Robinson, Amon Ross, St. Brown, uh, certainly if Cortland Sutton's in that range, that all means like hammer that way ahead. As much as I like DK and the, the freakish player that he can be, and if anybody's going to overcome bad QB play, he probably is the type of guy that a bad QB might lock onto. So I get that narrative too, but at his price, I'm just not t- touching him at all. I don't know if he's one you're avoiding. I know you had a couple others on your list too. Yeah, I moved him down. I moved DK down in my rankings as the offseason's gone along. He's somebody I hoped that they were going to find a, an option at quarterback. They didn't. I was very surprised to see them go into the year here with Geno Smith yeah. and, and Drew Locke. And maybe there's still a possibility that Jimmy Garoppolo maybe gets released and ends up oh, signing yes. there. It's like yeah. maybe that's like the <laughs> only chance that could save this at this point. But yeah, with DK, we saw last year in a small sample size with Geno Smith at the helm, he was able to kind of save his fantasy production with touchdowns. He scored a bunch of touchdowns during that stretch. And once again, I've talked about the different paths with certain guys like a a JK Dobbins or some of these guys that could kind of get over the red flags that we have about them and maybe still produce. And how could they do it? Well, DK could do it by putting up double digit touchdowns. And then all of a sudden that makes a lot of the issues go away, but how often is that offense going to be in scoring position? And yeah, for the right. price that you got to pay for DK, he's got to keep falling in ADP before I'm really excited to grab him. And at this point this year, I'm not overly interested in almost anyone in that Seahawks offense. I mean, if Kenneth Walker is going to be out for a while, I'll take a shot on Rashad Penny, but mm-hmm. we got three and a half years of Rashad Penny being this injury prone guy. And I know some of the injury analysts hate when we use that term, but Rashad Penny, just the durability concerns are there. He wasn't able to stay on the field for long stretches. And then he put it together for like a month at the end of a contract year. And all of a sudden, everybody wants to forgive him because he helped them win fantasy titles last season. Don't forget who Rashad Penny is. We already have seen him get banged up. He missed some OTAs. He's missed some of training camp. He's had injuries already here. So wouldn't be shocking if, if he gets hurt and misses time again. So maybe start to look at some of the other guys in that backfield, like a DJ Dallas potentially as a, a deep yeah. sleeper that you could grab and could potentially get some work if Kenneth Walker's out and if Penny gets banged up. Tyler Lockett's the only one that like he's going so late yeah. that I just, I'll take the chance, the odd time on him that he could maybe put up, he won't put up the same numbers that he had with Russ there, but his stats over the last few years had at least eight touchdowns every season had a couple double-digit touchdown seasons in the last four years, over a thousand yards the last three seasons. Like 
even if we bump that down to 80% of those numbers, that's still a guy that you'd probably want in fantasy at the price you're paying, which is like wide receiver 48. I think the last time I checked, it's so late that he's going off the board. So he would be one that I would consider, but yeah, overall I'm with you that DK is somebody that I'm not really that interested in. And I'll mention one, another one of mine, which is Deandre Hopkins. who We talked about earlier and I'll, I'll just put it together. We don't need to talk about it. He's suspended. That's the reason it's more of the, the game theory behind it. It's more of the, the draft strategy of, are you really going to take a guy who, yes, maybe when he comes back, could give you decent stats, give you a wide receiver two numbers. I don't think he's going to be that wide receiver one that we've known him to be in the past because a guy on the wrong side of 30 who gets popped for performance enhancing drugs, that is concerning. Is he going to come back and not be the same player? We've seen other guys have issues when they've come back from that kind of punishment. So I'm worried about that. And then I'm worried about using for those first six weeks a bench spot on him. I don't like doing that early in the season. Yeah. I want to be active on the waiver where I want to be aggressive, grabbing those really exciting players that are popping up, trying to find that next difference maker, that next James Robinson or somebody who you could all of a sudden get on your team and ends up being a starter for the rest of the year. You can't put Hopkins in your IR if he's suspended. So you just have to oh, burn yeah. a bench spot and hope that in week seven, when he comes back, he's going to be able to give you a top 20 numbers or something like that again. And I don't think that's a guarantee with Hollywood Brown there. And with, we talked about it before we were, we we're going through uh, Kyler Murray that you know Rondell Moore could take on a bigger role this season. And Zach Ertz now there, he's kind of a volume guy. So I, I think there's some worries around Hopkins more than just the suspension. A hundred percent. And I, I've landed none of him in my, my early best ball drafts just because Brandon IU, Connor Renfro, even, you know, Michael Thomas was going in that range for quite some time. Drake London, the exciting rookie. There's just some guys that have that same top 20 ceiling, but you'll have them for the full season. And you don't have to worry about burning the bench spot and all those great points that you brought up. So, yeah, I love, love the player forever. He's overcome such bad QB play in Houston and was a wide receiver one ace since he arrived in Arizona. But they did start to slow down even before the injury last year. We'll see. I, I'm with you there. I don't feel like burning the bench, but we'll quickly hit tight end. We don't, you know, it's one of the lesser, I shouldn't call it lesser position. If you get the edge of tight end, it certainly <laughs> can be a huge deal. But for the most part, most tight ends bust. But you do have a guy that's typically a top five tight end as a potential bust candidate this year. Uh, why don't you dive into that and, and who you're thinking could not uh, meet his expectations? Well, and this one goes to what do you determine to be a bust? Because what I'm looking at, I still have Darren Waller as a top five tight end in my rankings, mm -hmm. but that's a lot lower than we've had him in recent years. Like you mentioned, he's been right up there for a while. It was Kelsey, Kittle, and Waller. They were the elite guys, right? Last year, we'd see Mark Andrews sneak up there now, and he's in that elite tier. I think Kittle and Waller are guys that I'm a little more concerned about. Mm -hmm. And the reason is just target competition. Before, when they were putting up great stats, they were almost the de facto number one receiver in their offense. And now with Kittle, and I think Kittle, arguably the best tight end in the league, like all around talent wise, he's still going to have some monster games. But now you have Devo Samuel there and you have Brandon Ayuk emerging. You got some other guys that are really going to eat into any potential volume for Kittle makes him a little more inconsistent probably as the year goes along, but there'll still be some big games along the way. And maybe the season end numbers will be fine, but I don't think he's going to give you the kind of production that you're going to get out of a Kelsey or an Andrews, or maybe even Pitts this year. If Pitts takes another step forward, mm -hmm. I think he, it's just a matter of time before he's in that elite tier. And it probably happens this season for Waller. How is it going to go down? Because Darren Waller now with Devonte Adams, there, just a true volume hog. So now you don't have Darren Waller as that, that de facto number one. You have Hunter Renfro in the slot, and we know Josh McDaniels has loved using his slot receivers a bunch. 
And you look at Darren Waller as a guy that he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. He's not a big touchdown score in the past. There was a report recently that they're going to try to feature him more in the red zone. I hope they do because he does not have a lot of seasons with big touchdown totals. So I'm not convinced that that's how he's going to save himself this year when the rest of his volume goes down. He hasn't produced that well against the other teams in the AFC West. There's been this arms race on both sides of the ball the last couple of years in the AFC West where they're just stacking up and loading up. Well, last year he didn't top 60 yards in the four games he played against the AFC West. He missed a couple with injury, but in the four he played, didn't top 60 yards in any of those games. So if he's not having big games against his own division and he's not getting the same kind of volume that he was getting before, now he needs to do it with touchdowns and he hasn't been a touchdown scorer really most seasons. So that's where I'm concerned. I think the stat I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, I think he's had only one year where he scored more than three touchdowns. I might be wrong about that. I got it somewhere in here, but I think that was the stat that I had pulled earlier in the off season, trying to remember all this stuff. You know, I wrote some of this stuff so long ago and now I'm trying to pull it back from several months ago, but that's why I'm concerned about Waller. And I still think he's going to be a good tight end. I still think he's going to produce for fantasy, but somebody that if you're going to have to spend up to get him in the fourth round or so, not doing it at all. I have him ranked, I think end of the fifth round in my top 200 and that's a spot where he's just not going to reach that range because people are going to see that name. They're going to see the elite guys already off the board and they're going to go, I have to get killer Waller because after that, it's going to completely drop off, drop off. I would wait a couple more rounds. I'd grab a Dalton Schultz. I would wait a couple rounds after that, maybe even grab a, a Dallas Goddard or wait a little later and get a Cole Komet. Like there are other options that I think could give you numbers that are shockingly close to what Darren Waller might give you this season. Those were the exact two guys I was just going to shout out because both of those guys, Kittle and Waller, I've I've landed absolutely minimal of them because I have Dalton Schultz actually coming out slightly ahead in PPR formats, at least in my projections right now. I think he sees just as many, if not more targets with so much up for grabs in an offense that's been first in total yards and first in points last year, top two in both of Dak and Kellen Moore's seasons together when Dak was fully healthy. And, and now it's a complete and huge void, at least until Michael Gallup gets there. But even when he comes back, I think Dalton Schultz proved he has a great rapport with uh, with Dak over there. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'd either go Pitts early and just hope he becomes that you know next first rounder, that Kelsey-style guy in round three. I love doing that. Uh, and if I don't do that, I kind of wait for round seven-ish or even six sometimes for Dalton Schultz, or, or then I just punt the position if I'm not getting him. Maybe I get the touchdown fiend over there in Buffalo, Dawson Knox. I don't mind him at all. You know, round 10, I think he's going to have some pretty good numbers. So, yeah, I, I, I'm 100% with you on both those guys. I think they're great names to toss out. Someone you mentioned in your article that I'll just toss out there as well is Mike Gusecki. I think he fits this offense very poorly. They're going to need a blocking tight end. They're talking about him playing in line a lot more. And that's not his strength. That's not his style. He's thrived the last couple of years as a big split out wide, like kind of a big complimentary receiver in a way. And that's just not what he's going to fill in this offense. They have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. So even if he was playing that role, I think it'd be questionable. But I think he's going to be kind of jamming a, a you know square peg into a round hole in this offense and might find himself off the field far more than we'd expect. So when he goes in that range of like a Fryer Muth or a Gerald Everett or you know, some of those guys. I'd rather even have like Hayden Hurst a few rounds later uh, than Mike Gusecki. He's kind of the, one of those guys I've just crossed off my draft board despite the quality stats he's been putting up. Is there anything else to add on him or should we hit I mean, the rapid no, fire? Gusecki's like, Gusecki's the low hanging fruit. He's the one that I bring up or that I wrote in my article where like I almost felt bad doing it because it's just, yeah. it's one that I feel like everybody knows at this point. But yeah, his biggest games, most of them have come when those other guys in the offense were injured, when Devontae Parker went down, when Preston Williams was out, 
And now this year you have Jalen Waddle who broke it last season. You got Tyree Kill there. You got these monsters. There's no way that he's going to be a, a consistent starter in your fantasy lineup. There's a lot of better options you can take chances on. Absolutely. Now I know we're up against it here, Justin. Do you have time to hit the rapid fire no huddle before we get out of here? Let's do it. I'll try to. I'm. I can talk quite a bit, as as your viewers probably realize. <laughs> We've been talking for an hour here. I sometimes can go off, but I'll try to keep my answers as tight as possible. Let's do it. We'll hit. Again, wasting no time. Uh, segment transition there. The no nice. huddle off. I like it. Let's do it. <laughs> really up in the production quality over the years that you've enjoyed. <laughs> First five picks in every draft should be. Uh, in half PPR, we got to go CMC, Taylor, Eckler, Cup, and Jefferson. And I know some people put Jefferson over Cup. I'm fine with that. If you go PPR, Eckler falls out and Jamar Chase ends up in fifth. The late round league winning QB will be. It depends how you define late round. I mean, Trey Lance goes sometimes around like pick a hundred or so in some ADPs. Like a lot of different sites have different APs. I got to keep my answer short. Trey Lance probably in casual leagues. If you want somebody like in, you know, more expert leagues, analyst leagues, that sort of thing in better leagues, more hardcore players, uh, Kirk cousins, Derek Carr. If you want to go really deep, maybe Jameis uh, Winston. Who do you think gained the most value this off season? I think you mentioned them before Chase Edmonds. Going to Miami, going to an offense that we think is going to be much better. Clear lead back there. Got a, a bigger contract than everybody else in the backfield. I'm talking too long on all these answers. Keep no, going. You're good. It's good taste. <laughs> you're welcome to. I just don't want to take your time. It's great answers, though. Absolutely. <laughs> I love Chase Edmonds. I'm with you. Who do you think lost the most value this offseason? Uh, Antonio Gibson's too obvious. We'll say yeah. uh, Michael Carter. Michael Carter. A lot of people were excited about him last year, thought there was a chance that he could continue to be the, the lead back in that offense. Didn't look too bad in his opportunities last season. Yeah. And now they go out and they get a guy in Brees Hall that, you know, better draft capital and just a better prospect all around. So some people were talking about how Carter was above him on the depth chart in week one. Forget about this week one depth charts. They mean <laughs> nothing in the preseason. We'll see those depth charts change and Brees Hall is going to be the guy there. Well, great segue there. Cause after Brees Hall, who do you think is the highest scoring rookie at any of the positions? Drake London, based on the volume, I think he probably stands out above everybody else. I think I know you're staying on this one, but Gabe Davis, yay or nay? Yeah, yay. We're not even going to spend any more time on it. Yay. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that probably, one I can be quick on. <laughs> <laughs> probably won't be a 2022 Cooper Cup, but if there was, it would be. Yeah, there won't be. I know some people say that it could be Juju. Uh, it could be. It's possible. Uh, one guy that like kind of fits that mold is Jerry Judy. And we talked about liking Cortland Sutton before, but last year, a lot of people, including myself, thought Robert Woods was the better <laughs> option to cup. And Woods was putting up a pretty good season. He was a top 15 receiver before he went down. But it's a situation with the Broncos where you got a new quarterback showing up. So it's kind of undetermined what's going to happen in the, the passing core and who's going to be the favorite there. You have Judy with a lot of talent, just hasn't put up that big monster season yet. And there was a report, I, it was on the, the Underdog podcast I listened to recently, uh, Charles Robinson of Yahoo was on there, and he was talking about how Russell Wilson recognizes that Jerry Judy needs to have a big year for this offense, and then mm. he's sort of taken him under his wing, he spent some time with him, and he's trying to help him along to, to really have that breakout this year. So all those things, reminiscent of like the breakfasts with Cooper Cup and yeah. Matt Stafford, reminiscent of a new quarterback on a new team, all that stuff kind of coming together that maybe Jerry Judy could be that guy. Uh, very interesting. I got to listen to that pod. Very interesting narrative. Maybe they're going yeah, to church. Some good stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. Charles Robinson had a lot of stuff in that one. 
Awesome. Good stuff. Free agent or trader play trader that you think feasts in their new home. Let's go with Russ. I think Russ is going to be great. He gets out of that slow Seahawks offense. You talked about earlier with DK and now he's on a team where the coaching staff has said they want to build this offense around his strengths and he's got great weapons in Denver. I think he's going to have a great season. Awesome. What do you think the one Oh one of fast food is? Do we mean like the the type of food, or we mean like a chain restaurant? Like type of food, I love like like tacos, like uh, like food truck tacos. I don't know if that counts or not. If you want like a chain, do we want a chain? Is that what you're sure. looking for? Give me a don't chain know. restaurant. Is Taco Bell? Uh, <laughs> I like no. I was gonna say I like I like Arby's the odd time. Uh, shout out to Gino Batero. He used to work at the score. He used to organize these big you know Arby's meals for the staff. So uh, we'll go with Arby's there once in a while. Nice, nice. <laughs> What do you think the early round, first or second round bust is of this year? Oh, the, the bust. I mean, I don't really think there's anyone that's like just glaring in the first couple of rounds. Derrick Henry's somebody that I don't have a lot of, you know, 28 mm-hmm. years old, coming off a foot injury, power back, coming off a foot injury, uh, kind of a bunch of concerns of the offensive line, not as good as it's been in past years. So uh, some worries about Henry and a guy that I don't really pick in the first round. Who's the 2022 mid-rounder that in 2023 will be getting drafted in those early rounds? That's a tough question, too. <laughs> uh, Ramondra Stevenson. I think we could see him take over that job this year. And if he does, and he's going to put up pretty good numbers, we saw him flash it when he got chances last year. <clears throat> if he does, then, yeah, next season he's going to skyrocket up draft boards. I have a buddy that's probably listening right now and pumping his fist because he has him as his keeper and he can't wait to see it. So I have him ranked over Damian Harris right now. So love it. Uh, you don't have to do one of each position, just your favorite pick for a late round league winner, whether it's a running back receiver or tight end, since we already hit QB. Uh, I'm going to go with guys that we already talked about. Kenneth Gainwell and, and Brian Robinson, guys who could take over the starting job at some point this season. They don't really even need an injury. They could potentially just take those jobs outright and put up pretty good stats as late round picks. What do you think the greatest TV show of all time is? Oh man, it, it's Breaking Bad and that's timely, right? With Better Call Saul just finishing. Better Call Saul was awesome too. I don't think it was quite as good as Breaking Bad, yeah. but anything in that Breaking Bad universe, like Peter Gould and, and company who do that show, it is absolutely awesome. And actually uh, one of the writers and the directors of the show, uh, Thomas Schnatz, 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 I hope I, I hope I didn't get his name horrifically wrong, which I just did, but uh, he follows me, asks me fantasy questions all the time. Big fantasy oh, players. Nice. So I'm going to have to reach out to him, tell him how great uh, Better Call Saul was. Huge shout out there. That's that's awesome. That's, yeah, that's if only I could remember his name there. properly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool, though. That's awesome. Nice. Uh, what do you think the most important coaching hire of 2022 will be? There were a bunch, like Brian Dable, Mike McDaniel, uh, Kevin O'Connell going to Minnesota. We've kind of touched on them as well during the episode. We hit on a lot of different stuff, but bringing that more modern approach, kind of that upgrade from Mike Zimmer's crew, talking about passing more, I think that's going to have a big impact on that offense. What's the most important preseason battle or story you're kind of monitoring right now? It's kind of the same for me every year. It's the it's the rookies. Like I, I just want to see as much of the rookies as I possibly can. We have all these thoughts on them and prospect profiles and all that sort of stuff. But in the preseason, you get like your first chance to to really see what they can do against NFL competition. It's not the practice reports where you know just trusting beat writers for their opinions. You get to see what they can do in the games. And some guys come out like George Pickens or a, a Romeo Dubs and like mm-hmm. actually put up like, you know, great numbers and follow up all the hype that they've had. And some guys show up and don't look like they're ready for it. It's going to take them some time. And some guys show up and they look like immediate busts. So I love like watching the rookies in the preseason and trying to learn as much as I can. 
not necessarily just for the guys that are going to start right away, but the guys that during the season, when those injuries happen and all of a sudden a rookie gets put up into that role, you can take from what you saw in the preseason and use that in your analysis and try to figure out what they could possibly do. So the, the rookies, all of them. Absolutely. If it's not Chase or Waddle, which year two wide receiver do you like the most? Year two wide receiver that I like the most. Uh, I would say probably Rashad Bateman in Baltimore. Rashad Bateman, who another guy that we talked about earlier, I'm bringing back all the hits, but I really performed well last year in a really strange rookie season. Injured early in the year, Lamar out later in the year, put up some good stats in the games that he was out there. And I think profiles as that, that true number one. So excited to see what he can do now. If you could hang out and just kind of have a drink with any player, which player would you pick? <laughs> These questions are fantastic. Um, <laughs> I mean, the obvious answer is like Marshawn Lynch, but you probably want a current player. So uh, I will say Aaron Jones always seems happy. Seems yeah. like a great teammate, always going around, lifting other guys up and everything. He seems like he'd be a, a pretty fun hang, pretty easygoing. And I, I feel like I'm the same way. So I'll nice. say Aaron Jones. And what would be your drink of choice? <laughs> I'm a bourbon guy. Um, nice. Maybe Blanton's, like Blanton's Gold Edition, maybe. Um Maybe if things get a little crazy, we could hit the tequila like uh, Don Julio. <laughs> Don Julio, nice. fourteen ninety two. Maybe we'll go with something uh, a little high end. There we go. I love it. Good stuff. And last two here. You're not going to leave your twenty twenty two drafts without Trey Lance. And what's your boldest twenty twenty two prediction? And then just remind our listeners where they can follow you and anything you want to promote. Uh, my boldest twenty twenty two prediction is probably if you're just going off my rankings too, it's uh, Darnell Mooney. I have him ranked at wide receiver eighteen. I think in ADP is like wide receiver thirty or something around nice. there. Uh, my bold prediction would be that I think Darnell Mooney could be a wide receiver one this year. And we saw last season eighty one catches, over a thousand yards, four touchdowns. He finished eighteenth in targets, tar- average targets per game last year. Now this season. They didn't do much to bring in any target competition for him. Mm -hmm. They've talked about that. He is going to be the guy there. They're going to load him up with volume. I would not be shocked to see him get up into the top 10 or so. And last year, eight of the top 10 uh, average target leaders finished uh, as top 12 fantasy receivers. So it wouldn't shock me at all. If he got up into that range, he's going to have an excellent chance to put up really big fantasy stats and maybe crack that top 12 this year. And if you're asking where everybody can follow me, we talked about it before. Come follow me on Twitter at Justin Boone. Come download the score app. It is free. Come check out the draft kit. It is free. All my content is over there in the score fantasy football podcast. We're doing three times a week right now. That'll continue all the way through the end of the season. So come check us out there. Awesome. Well, Justin, thank you so much for giving us so much time, so much insight. It's always a blast catching up with you and hearing your takes. So thanks again so much for coming on, my man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And let's keep doing this as an annual thing, man. It's a blast. I would love to. Thanks again. I I would say good luck to your bills, but screw the bills. (laughs) My pats are getting smashed now year in and year out. So way. Let's go bills. Come on. Let's go bills. Uh, Cheers, man. Well, thanks again for coming on and best of luck this year. Later, buddy. You too. Good luck. Thank you. All righty. Wolfpack. Well, thanks again for Justin. We'll now hit your mailbag for you guys. Oop, now I put up the wrong one. There you go. Uh, so thanks again to Justin, though. What a great guest he is each and every year. I'm pumped to always have him on, the most accurate man there is. All righty. Let's dive into what you got for us today, Wolfpack. Rushing Yard asks, would you rather have CMC or Derrick Henry? No, those injuries have been tough these last couple of years, but it's still got to be CMC for me. And, and this is coming from somebody that was burned absolutely brutally in back-to-back years. I was 
quote unquote blessed with the first overall pick in two years in a row. I thought I couldn't get luckier. And yet McCaffrey has not come through for me a single time. I still can't get over that 2019. He is a wide receiver one, a running back one, all morphed into one. A thousand and a thousand is one of the few players, maybe the only one that has that type of range of outcomes. Working with Marshall Falk on ways to stay durable and not take some brutal hits, things of that nature. I he's actually I'm pretty low on CMC compared to the consensus, but Henry's got his own warts with that foot injury, uh, you know, not catching the passes. So if we're comparing just those two, unless it's a standard league, if it's a standard league, Henry might be number one overall, but as long as there's any type of receiving points, uh, receptions in particular, I got to go CMC. David, good to see you, man. Great to see you. I know you had a congrats again. I don't know if I've seen you on one of the live streams, so it's probably one of my first times to say it on air is congrats to you on the new member of the Wolf Pack over there. Uh, hopefully she's listening and learning all about busts and uh, and breakouts and all that good stuff this year, the 2022 projections. She'll be a wolf in no time. Football fire indeed. Again, thanks again for being here, Rushing Yard. It's awesome to see you. Jeremiah Moore, another OG legend. Great to see you. I'm glad you were here for the bust. It is a great topic. Uh, it's so important to get the right players, but it's also so important to know which ones aren't going to hit and hit those ones. Uh, make sure you avoid them. So those were a couple landmines. I, I thought Justin did a great job bringing some some real heat, not just giving you the typical, you know, Kenny Galladay's and Marlon Max, but really uh, we tried to give you guys that you're probably considering and, and what's a floor case that you might want to pay attention to. Bradley, shocked CMC. So I just kind of gave you the case of why he would be. It, I get it too. It's it's risky. It's nerve wracking. I personally go Jonathan Taylor, no brainer to me. It's a big debate who should be one overall. If you give me 17 games of CMC, he's going to be the number one player in fantasy and probably by a very long stretch. Like that's last time in 2019, he had the second most fantasy points of all time. Only Ladanian Tomlinson, when he had 32 touchdowns, had more fantasy points. So we, we know the ceiling is there. And if you give me health, he's the number one. But I'm with you. There is a big risk. Another year older, trouble staying on the field for two straight years. So I do go Taylor and I also go Cup and Jefferson ahead of CMC. At that point, it comes down to maybe you go Eckler if you feel good about him because it's a similar type of pass catching role. Uh, but I still particularly pre uh, prefer um, CMC right right around that range. Number one in the projections if you get 16 games. Snowy Mountain Farms, $100 snake draft league. PPR also gives 0.25 per completion. Interesting. Uh, that You always play to your scoring settings. So this does definitely make things a little more intriguing. I guess, I mean, it certainly doesn't hurt Josh Allen. It, it helps in that sense. Although he's not a guy that necessarily thrives on huge passing volume and completions. He's more so the leg points and also the huge plays in the air. So it does certainly doesn't hurt his case, but that also kind of all quarterback ships rise other than the ones that are strictly relying on their legs. So guys that might get hurt or downgrade a little bit in that type of league would be like a Jalen Hurts or a, you know, Trey Lance, even guys that probably won't be throwing it quite as much. So as interesting as that scoring setting is, I don't know that it necessarily impacts my projections too much because think of a guy like Brady, who's now hucking it 700 times in this season and probably going to have 600 completions, you know? So it, it kind of boosts those guys up. It limits, to me, the only real impact of that is it limits the Konami uh, cheat code effect, if you will. So it kind of balances that out in a way. Um, so I don't think I would go Josh Allen in the second because of that. Maybe I bump him up to a little bit earlier in the third, which is kind of where I look at him anyways. But uh, I, it, it doesn't do a, a whole lot for me. My man, Mike Less, 
who gets the Curtis Samuel Award this year, a.k.a. the guy with all the stories, what a freak talented athlete he is, primed for a big year, ends up a dud. and <laughs> makes you regret the hype. He was an absolute dud last year. Last. That's a great award. It's tricky. I'm trying to think of like – so some of the hype beasts right now are, are certainly like Isaiah Pacheco out there in, in Kansas City. The thing is that I don't hate buying into that given CEH's trouble staying on the field and the fact that he's running number two. Like I kind of like Pacheco. Uh, so who's getting a lot of hype that I, I wouldn't be buying into quite yet? That's I'm gonna have to think on that less because that's a really good question. That could be a whole episode is hype train buyer buy or sell type of thing. Um, I'm trying to think of some some nominees. Pacheco's the one that stands out just because he wasn't like a great prospect coming in, but you don't have to be a great prospect to thrive in a Mahomes led offense. I mean, Damian Williams was putting up 25 a game. So I, I don't want to take him because I, I kind of like him. He's not a guy I'm I'm not buying the hype on. Um I'd have to let me pull up. Let me pull up the big board real quick, Mike. I want to give you an answer since you're an OG. Um, who's a, a hype storm guy that I just am not buying um, at all? I would say uh, Trey Sermon's getting a lot of hype right now. I just don't see it with that guy. So he might be a, an answer to that one. Like that offense is always intriguing, but I can't see him really rebounding. Um, so he's a guy that I, I see get a lot of hype that I just – I'm not fully all in on the guy that could also come to mind is Romeo dubs. Like I get similar to Pacheco. It's actually, I'm kind of buying the hype on both those guys. Uh, I think he's really good. And I think Rogers does trust him, but you know how quick and fast a rookie can fall out of Rogers trust tree. It's almost like he like likes to knock them out of the tree of the nest. Uh, so, so I'm a little bit worried that the hype on, on dubs once Watson's back, a freak athlete, could be a concern, but man, like I, I'm buying it still. So both those guys are kind of hype beasts that I'm I'm buying. So we'll see. Snowy Mountains. Uh, I know every league's different. My league, uh, Josh Allen gets taken fast. 14 team is different. I'm in one 14 team league. It's my family league too. I'm embarrassingly bad in my family league. I, I know 12 teams and 10 teams. I, I know how to dominate. I don't like to play those because I think they're almost too easy. Um, 12, I'm, I'm usually pretty solid at myself. 14 throws me off because QB having a guy like Josh Allen that can get you like those 30 points in a week when the other positions do thin out so fast, it, it's tough, especially when like Allen goes in a team that has Allen drafts like Kirk Cousins. And now you're left with like hoping fields breaks out. You really have to have a, a solid QB in a 14 team or where things thin out. So, um, yeah, you absolutely need to know your scoring. But as I mentioned with the, the points per completion, I honestly don't know that that helps Allen. It almost just kind of limits how impactful a quote-unquote Konami can be, like the cheat code. It's still obviously very nice to have that upside. But to me, a guy like Herbert, who might have like 800 passes this year, he becomes like closer to Josh Allen, in my opinion. So I, I don't know that it, it bumps him up too much for you. Um, Lamar, absolutely not better than Cam Newton. Yeah, so I mean... You know, uh, it's Lamar just a friendly system. Yeah, it's true. The Greg Roman scheme. Um, maybe that's a point too, but that one season, Lamar was fucking crazy. I know because I faced him three times, twice in the regular season. I had the, the joy of facing him, and I also faced him in the playoffs. He had 35 points or more in all three times I faced him. Spanked me. That team ended up winning the league. Uh, so maybe it was the system. Maybe it's the player. I think it has to be kind of a combination of both because – 
Greg Roman system has been like, okay. It's been great for Kaepernick, like one year, and then he kind of fell off. That's kind of what happened to Lamar. So maybe the system gets figured out after a year or two. Uh, we'll find out this year for sure. And that's why I'm kind of out on him, Snowy Mountain. I, I don't know that he's that good. Uh, rushing yards, my league is just like that. But the, oh yeah. So uh, I wouldn't take him in round one though. I don't know. Uh, is there a bust between J-Rob and Etienne? I mean, J-Rob certainly has the tougher narrative, David, uh, to hitting his ceiling because of Achilles. The track record of running backs coming back from an Achilles and being successful in year one is zero. So that's obviously a big concern for Cam Akers. It's a big concern for James Robinson. Uh, Etienne has a lot going in his favor. Great pass-catching role, explosive talent. I still don't take him very often at his price. Uh, I think he's going, you know, mid early third even right now. And, and I'd rather have Kyle Pitts. I'd rather have Cortland Sutton, uh, one of those alpha receivers. I'd rather have James Conner if I'm going to go running back there. So I don't typically target this backfield. And, and I'm on the outside there. Most experts are hammering Etienne, and I could be on the wrong side. A lot of really sharp ones are too. So I, I might, I'm very worried about fading him. But if it's a bust between them, it, it's definitely Etienne. But also James Robinson's going, you know, 100 something picks later too. So there's only so much bust you can have when you're going that late too, you know? So he also is just like a dog too. So maybe James Rob can, if anybody's in a bad bounce back, it's a guy like him. Um, Wolf run a wild in the afternoon. Sure am Gary. Great to see you, brother. Appreciate you tuning in. CMC still top three overall. How does he escape his injury prone avoid list? Uh, yeah, he, you know, it's not an injury pro that the show's not an injury prone avoid list. Uh, it, it's the fact that if he plays 15 games, he's the best player in fantasy. It's like that in 2019, he put up the second most fantasy points of all time. When he's played the last three, you know, two years, which I admit it has not been very often, he's averaged over well over 25 fantasy points per game. You know, he's been a top five running back every single time he's played 50% of the snaps across the last two seasons. That he's when he's in, he's the biggest lock in fantasy that it, it makes him worth the upside's worth chasing that early. But I'm I'm also with everybody the fact that I was burned. Not one year, two years in a row. So like I, I have been stabbed in the front and the back, in the face. Like <laughs> he has battered me everywhere, <laughs> and it's it's brutal. I know, and and still I will go in the top five with him. I won't go number one overall. I I don't get the people that will pass on a horse like Jonathan Taylor. That's just a beast. But if CMC plays sixteen games, he's gonna outscore Jonathan Taylor and everybody else. So. It's that it's the risk reward. The risk is huge. The reward could be he wins you your league. So it's tough. It's tough, Bradley. I, I get it. I I 100% get where you're coming from. Derek Carr with the weapons and McDaniel's. I I absolutely with you, Tunes. I think they're him and and Cousins. It rounds out. Let, let me just pull up my quarterbacks. I have my big board right here. So I'm gonna pull up my quarterbacks. There is a drop off after after Carr Cousins tier. Uh, if you want to throw Rodgers in there, you can. But I have him below both those guys, and that's QB 15 for Rodgers. Tua and Matt Ryan, maybe, but I think if I don't have one of those top 14 guys, I'm pretty nervous. I, I really want to have a top 12 and then a Cousins and a Carr. Like a, I want, you know, Trey Lance and then maybe balance out this with some safety there is one of my favorite ways to go. Buck Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there, dudes. As, as much as I love Boone, uh, yeah, I, I, I hate Buffalo but they're going to smash us for years. It sucks. <laughs> Trailer Park Boys is a great show, Jordan. I actually never saw a prison break, though. Uh, one that I really need to see. I bet all the guests seem to want my dynasty team. I mean, you got a great dynasty team, Tunes. You really do. Uh, it looked like it was going to be in shambles after the Cam Akers news, but not bad. Uh, thank you, Barry. Uh, good to see you, Jackson. Great to see you. 
uh, Pacheco could be another Darwin Thompson. I mean, sure. Yeah, we saw that before. I think he's a little different because, one, he's bigger. He's size, speed, best weight-adjusted score in this entire class. 99th percentile size, speed score. Uh, two, he's playing your slot. Like, he's just moving around more. He's a better pass protector, which I think was one of the big issues with Darwin. He's small and slight and couldn't really protect. So I think there's a lot of differences here. And three, Pacheco's going to be kick returner, whereas Darwin Thompson didn't really have a role. And so there was no reason to kind of keep him around. You know he's making the roster, Pacheco, uh, it, it, as the kick returner and maybe the number two running back behind an injury-prone guy and one of the most explosive offenses in the league. He's also going to have to pick 150. I, I think the case is just, why not, right? If he is the next Arnold Thompson, you fucking cut him and it doesn't matter, you know? But the upside case is it's Damian Williams when CH goes down and you get 25 points a week. I think Ronald Jones is going to get cut. I really do. I, he's, he's on the outs there. Um, what... <laughs> I don't know why I answer this, Jackson, because knowing you, you little snake over there, you're probably trying to figure out what where I sit on him because he's on my team. You're crafting up some sort of trade offer right now. But you know what? I answer every show. That's the motto of the wolf. So I, I'll say I'm I'm nervous. I am because I think Pickens is an absolute stud. Uh, Deontay did just get locked up, so we know he's going to be there for a while. I am very worried about Claypool's value. I wish I had traded him to you earlier this year, but the reason I didn't is because I really like Saquon. Uh, and and I didn't want to give up Saquon. So, yeah, make me an offer. Um, I, I'm not very pleased with what his value is right now. He kind of sits and giggles at me on the bench. Um, he's It is tricky, though, because just a year ago, two years ago, especially after the rookie year, he was a top you know 20 guy in Dynasty. Some people taking him ahead of Deontay, right? Like most were. It might have to be at the expense of him leaving Pittsburgh, but... He's, he is a freak player. Like he, his athleticism, his size. I just don't know that it will come to fruition in Pittsburgh. So you're waiting another year to two. I hope they trade him because I really do like what Pickens is showing. So I think it's certainly not helping. Uh, he's kind of kicking, pick it, you know, Pickens is just kind of kicking him while he's down. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> laughing over there. You know hey, exactly what you're trying. We know what you're trying to do over there, Jackson. Let me let me check your great trade value chart. Everybody out there should check trade value chart if you have any questions on a, a dynasty trade value. That's where we should go. Is our our phenomenal trade value chart over at Roto Street that Jackson has whipped up. Great show. Thank you, RTK one three seven. I'm glad to hear. I'm, I'm and your favorites. Boone certainly deserves to be in there, and I'm humbled to uh, be up there as well. I appreciate that. Um, He's, he's awesome to talk to. They, one of the smartest brains you can pick. So uh, thank you for your kind words. I really do appreciate it. Team Elite TE or punt the position? I like Elite tight ends. I really do. I think it's a huge edge. Uh, whenever I've had Kelsey, it's been a huge boost to my team. Uh, I'm all in on pits. I am. And that's you know why I don't 100% go first round Kelsey anymore. I am a little bit worried about some regression coming for Mark Andrews. I think they're going to be way more run heavy this year. I think, you know, everything was the perfect storm last year. And so I don't mind him if he falls like the end of round two, but he typically goes mid and I'd rather have any of the running backs in that range or certainly some of the target hogs if the running backs I like. I mean, Kamara's still going mid to late round two. I'm going to do that every time over, over Mark Andrews. So that leaves me with, if I want an elite tight end, Pitts is really the only one that could probably threaten for that in my eyes. And I love him in round three because I've gotten my two horses you know, I think the receivers in round four aren't that far off of the receivers in three. I do love Pittman and A.J. Brown and Keenan Allen if they fall, but Pitts could be that enormous edge. So 
I've been landing a lot of pits lately. It took me a little while to get on them, and I don't know why. Um, it wasn't because I didn't believe in the talent. I just I love those receivers I just mentioned, so I typically was going them. But I've just noticed like four, five, six, seven, even around eight at times. I love the receivers like from top to bottom there. Um, I don't think the round three guys are a significant leap above those four through seven guys. So I can get a, a wide receiver one in my tight end spot. Like, it would not shock me in the least to see Kyle Pitts going in the first round next year. He's that freakish of a, of, of, you know, talent. There, one report I just saw today, I absolutely loved. I got shout out Dwayne McFarlane that, that retweeted this. Last year, he was kind of running out wide all the time, facing number one corners, getting doubled once Calvin Ridley went down. That's a tough ask for a rookie receiver, never mind a rookie tight end, the hardest position to translate at. Now that they have Drake London there, a lot more slot, a lot more in line for Kyle Pitts, which gets him on the safeties, gets him on the linebackers. That's where he's going to destroy teams. That's where he was destroying teams when Calvin Ridley was still on the team. So I, I really, really like Kyle Pitts. I think Drake London coming there is actually a significant positive to him, certainly in terms of getting space in the red zone as well. I think it allows him to really hit the mismatch upside. Huge fan, Kyle Pitts, round three. Right, folks, that wraps up the questions. Thank you so much for coming in today, a random afternoon show. Great to see a good crowd and a great mailbag. Uh, thanks again to Justin Boone for an awesome show. I'll be live again, another afternoon show tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern time, having Danny Kelly from The Ringer, one of my favorite guests. Always great brain, but also very entertaining as well. Um, just – you see the same guests come on year to year because I just love it. And I'm so happy when they agree to come back and talk with me because uh, he's another one that has an awesome brain to pick. So if you're free tomorrow, you want to crack an early uh, afternoon beer at 2 p.m. on a Friday, nothing wrong with that. Come on back down. Um, and if you want to read, you can find my big board, RoadStreetJournal.com slash big board, all the content at RoadStreetJournal.com. We read and feed you fantasy wolves. If you need a podcast form of this, this audio will be on the Fantasy Fullback Dive wherever you listen to your podcasts as well. Likes, subs, reviews, all that good stuff are so greatly appreciated. If you liked what you saw today, hit us with that thumbs up on your way out. Hit us with that sub button. It's so greatly appreciated as well. We've been growing some pretty good numbers throughout the summer. It's awesome to see. It's so appreciated. And the draft guide, I keep saying it's going to drop. It crashed the website when I put it up last week. Uh, so I've been turning into a PDF. And yes, it's been a little painstaking, but it's also coming out so much more visually appealing. I know drafts are going to be starting this weekend, so I am going to be hitting it very, very hard before Danny Kelly comes on tomorrow. Tonight, the anniversary dinner, so I'll do my best maybe when she's asleep to hit it too. Uh, but yeah, uh, it, it will be up for this weekend in case you have your drafts. I won't leave my house on Saturday till it's done type of thing. So uh, yeah, check out that. GrocerJournal.com slash guys where you'll find it. it's not up yet, so. Uh, I'll put that in the, the show notes and everything once it's up. Alrighty, I'm rambling. I'm self-promoting. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for being here. In a world full of fancy sheep, be the wolf. Later, guys. <laughs>